God, we believe that you are doing a mighty work, and we just say yes and amen. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we just ask that you continue to bless this team as they prepare and get ready to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for taking that time. Also, this Wednesday is our first Wednesday, and what do we do here at First Wednesday? Pray. Pray. I love that. I love that about our church culture is that we make it a value of ours to come together and pray. So this Wednesday at 7 p.m., we'll be meeting here, and we're going to pray. Now, this is a big one because it is the month of Easter, and I just need your prayers. I need you to come here and just be ready to intercede for all the things that God wants to do this Easter season because I believe that God is going to change lives this year. Do you believe that? Well, let's pray. Let's pray that all the hindrances and all the excuses of people not being able to come and hear the message that that will go away and that people would have a clear path to Jesus this Easter season. I'm expecting big things because God is that good, amen? And people are that hungry for truth and forgiveness and all the life that Christ gives. And so I, I, I'm just pumped. I'm getting ready, uh, getting excited for Chris, or Easter, you know, Christmas. Easter, yeah, Easter here at Grace Church. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Well, yesterday... Uh, many of us came together to, to honor the life, to celebrate the life of, of one of our church members who, who spent many years here at Grace Church, and, and uh, she actually got to a place in her life where she wasn't able to attend church, so she hasn't been at our church community services for about five years now, so I didn't get a chance to meet her, um, but yesterday I got to come and, 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 and uh, lead in her service, and it was just, it was a special moment. It was, it's Margie Johnson, if you, if you know her, and uh, she lived a full life of 93 years, 93 years. It is amazing, and you know, I, I didn't get a chance to meet her personally, but I spent a lot of time with the family lately, and what was interesting to me is that as um, I sat down with the family, and as they started sharing stories about Margie and the life that she lived and, and how she lived her life boldly before them about her love for Christ. It's, it's like that started to give me a connection to her. And, uh, and it was cool to see her life through the eyes of her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And then to be here in the service and to hear it and, and to see that the legacy that she left was a woman who was, who was so in love with Jesus that she wanted everybody to know. I mean, what an amazing legacy. And as I heard more stories and as I walked away from the service, I felt the connection to her. Even though I didn't know her, I felt like I understood her deeply. I understood her convictions. I understood what she stood for. And I walked away blessed. Well, this morning's message is going to kind of be like that. Here's what I mean by that. This Easter, I wanted us to go through the story of Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection through one of our Gospels. Now, last year, I took you through the Gospel of John. Well, this year, I want to take you through the Gospel of Mark. And this morning's message is going to feel different. It's going to have a different tone because this is the setup. Everybody say, the setup. setup. It's the prequel. See, sometimes we look at people in the Bible, especially those that authored the, the, the Gospel, and we put them on this pedestal, and they, they deserve to be honored. They deserve to, to, to be acknowledged as these heroes of the faith because they were faithful to the end. But sometimes we forget that they were human. Sometimes we forget that there's a story, there's a history about these guys. And now throughout the Bible, God gives us these stories of people that were normal, everyday people with faults and mistakes and, and challenges. But yet God let them overcome. 
through him. He gave them the guidance. He gave them the redemption moments in their lives, and their lives were changed. And we learn from these stories. And so I thought it was important before we dive in to seeing the gospel account, seeing Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection through the eyes of this author, I thought it would be good for us to get familiar with this man called John Mark. I thought it would be important for us to understand his history and his background and his challenges, his strengths and his weaknesses, so that when we read this Bible, when we read through the, the gospel of Mark, we can identify, we can connect, and we can see that the things that he's given us, the things about Jesus, is coming through the filter through his life and his history. That's what I love about God. We know that the word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We know that the word of God is given from God to man, but we know that he used people, ordinary, normal people like you and I. We were his instrument to get his word out, and I love that about God. So this morning, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to give you some facts about John Mark. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some information, and it, it might feel a little different. It's not, it's not the normal way that I like to present a message, but I think that there's a message within the message today. I think that as you look at the background, you're going to be blessed because you're going to feel a connection to this author. You're going to feel this sense of, wow, God can use him, so I believe that God can use me. And I think maybe some of us this morning need that encouragement this morning. And so we're going we're gonna to highlight some of his life, and I'm going to give you some background on this beautiful gospel of Mark. Can you join me as we pray? Father, prepare our hearts for the word today, God. God, I believe the power in your word, God, that, that, that it inspires, it lifts up, it builds up, it corrects, it, 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 it shows us more of you, God. So I pray that this morning, God, that that's how people walk out of here, God, that there just be another thing that they learn from you, God. And so I pray that every heart will be open, every ear will be open to what you want for us in our lives and help us to see this gospel through the eyes of, of this author, God, that you blessed and you inspired. So we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of fun facts, fun facts about the gospel of Mark is that it was actually the first gospel written. I don't know if you knew that or not. You know, what's the gospels? Matthew, Mark, come on. Luke and John, right? Well, you didn't know there was going to be a quiz today, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And sometimes we think that it's in the order of the way it was given to us, but no, it, it, Mark was the first gospel. It was written 70 AD. It was about almost a generation after uh, Jesus was ascended. And so, um, so that's important information because this was the first account that people had of, 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 of Jesus' life. Now, some of us who know a little bit about the background and the church history, there was this Roman emperor named Nero, and he was ruling in the time of 70 AD, and he was the fierce persecutor of the church. He wanted to abolish the church, and, and he thought in his plan, he thought that if I could just get rid of all the leaders of this movement, then, then Christianity would not last a full generation. He was wrong, wasn't he? And here we are today. And so what he did is that he tried to, uh, to, to get rid of these leaders, and he was arresting these leaders, and he was, he was actually killing off many of our apostles at the time. And, and what we learn is the first time we hear about Mark is during this time, during this time of this fierce persecution, and, and everybody, the church in Jerusalem was, was hiding, and they were going into homes, and they were meeting, and they were still gathering together. And we see 
that it's in this time that we hear about this young man named Mark. But it's very interesting here. What does it say? If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts chapter 12. This is the first mention of this young man. We find out that through this chapter that the apostle Peter, this leader of the church, that he gets arrested. And they know that just before he's arrested, James is arrested and James gets killed. And so they know that the king is trying to kill Peter as well. And so what does the church do? What does the gathering, the believers do? Do they go and protest? Do they go riot? No, what do they do? They have a prayer meeting. They come together and pray. Come on, we can learn a little something about that, right? Their first response is to get on their knees, to call out on the name of the Lord. That God will have his way and that God would protect the leadership of the church. Man, I hope you're praying for the leadership of the church. Amen? And so they're praying and as a result of their prayer, well, guess what happens? Angels show up in the prison cell of old Peter. Peter's there, and he's sound asleep, and it says that the angel struck him, which I think the angel, like, kicked him, right? And woke him up and said, get up, get out of here. And as Peter woke up, his chains fell to the ground. Come on, who, who, who's going to tell me that prayer is not powerful? Right? We see that in Scripture time and time again. And in this moment, all of a sudden, his chains were broken. And, and, and he gets up, and, and, and he's guarded by 12 Roman soldiers. And yet, these angels escorted him out without being seen. I mean, it's so unbelievable. It's so, so amazing that Peter thinks that he's dreaming. And when he comes to his senses and realizes, well, this wasn't a dream. This is a reality. What does he do? He runs to the place where he knows that they're meeting, where this prayer group is happening. And so it happens to be the house of John Mark. Listen to what it says. It's Chapter 12, verse 12, he says, And when he had dawned on him, Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So what does this tell us about this guy named John Mark? It tells us that he grew up in church. He was a second-generation Christian. You know, it was interesting about this particular thing about John Mark is that, uh, see, there was lots of Marys in the Bible, right? Lots of Marys, lots of Johns. And so they used John Mark as mentioned in this passage because it was to distinguish his mom Mary from all the other Marys. And, and also what you pick up from this is that, is that because his name was used to distinguish his mom, that means that maybe his mom was a widow because she would have been distinguished by her husband. And so here is this young man raised by his mom who opened her home to the church, and the church was gathering. And Peter knew this family well. He knew this household, and he knew that if there was a problem, if there was a place where the church was gathering, it would be in that place. And that's how John Mark grew up. We read later in this chapter that this, these two missionary guys, powerful men of God named Barnabas and Saul, which we later know as Paul, he, he, they show up, right, and, and they decide that they're going to go off on a missionary journey, that they're going to go into the uncharted territory for the gospel, and they inspire the people around them in the church, and so they're ready to go off, and guess who goes with them? John Mark. And the thing about John Mark is that he wasn't the most talented. He wasn't this amazing preacher or evangelist. He wasn't known to have all this charisma. He was a helper. 
He was a behind-the-scenes guy. He was the guy that would come around, whatever leader was, hap- was going, and he was saying, how can I serve you? How can I help you? That was the spirit of this guy named John Mark. That was his spiritual gift. That was his anointing. I feel like I got to make a point here because I think so many times in, in, in modern church and, 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 and the way we function sometimes is that we look at the people that seem to be the most talented, the most charismatic, and we get wild by them and we think that, man, our gifts are not as good as their gifts. But when I read scripture and I see that in God's economy, man, God gives everyone gifts. God has gifted every one of you. He's designed you. He's created you to have such a gift set that when you come into a community, you have something to contribute. I feel like I need to tell somebody this morning that you have something to contribute, that God has gifted you and made you wonderful, and he's got some things in you that only you can do, not only for this church community, but for the world. That's how good our God is, and that's how amazing he is when he created each person. And so we see that John Mark had this gift of serving. He had this gift of of service. He had this gift of being a helper, and that's how he operated. And so when the time came for these these amazing missionaries to go off on their journey, which they knew was going to be hard, which they knew that would be challenged, they they knew that they needed somebody to come around them, it was John Mark that raised his hand. It was John Mark that said, hey, take me, I'll go. I want to just be there to help. So let's see what it says here in Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 5. It says, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, how many know it's important when the Holy Spirit speaks to the church, right? And he says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. I mean, this is a God thing. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them were sent off by the way of the Holy Spirit. And it describes the places that they were going to be going And then at the very end of verse 5, it says, and John Mark was with them as the helper, as the helper. That was his contribution. That's who he was. That was his anointing. And so here they they go off together on this trip. And they're going into this region called Asia Minor. There's something interesting about that region, but you'll hear in the story. So the very next chapter, in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 13, it says that they, they get to this place, and Paul and his companions are there, and they serve. They, they, they sail into Perga and, they, and, and, and Palamophia. Doesn't that sound like a disease, Palamophia? I always think of that when I... <laughs> Sorry. Where John, it was at this city, in this town, in Asia Minor, Palamophia, where John left them, and returned back to Jerusalem. Wow. That hit quite a turn real quick. Here they are in the middle of this mission. Here they are in this place, and John Mark gets scared. John Mark deserts them. He takes off. So you might be wondering, just like I was when I was reading, I was like, what happened? What happened? What was going on for him to want to leave? What was going on for him to, to desert these leaders? Well, 2 Corinthians gives us a clue. We hear Paul describing about his experience in this region called Asia Minor. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and he says this. He says, he says, I have constantly been on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. Ooh. I have labored and toiled and have gone 
have, been, have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. How many of you want to sign up for that mission trip? He's talking about the dangers. He's talking about the, the, the challenges that he faced in this region. And see, the thing about Paul, man, is that Paul had this, just this, this desire to no matter what, nothing was going to stop him. Paul had this thing in him that he, there was no quit in him. He went through all these trials. He went through all these things, and yet he still continued to keep his face forward and keep going the places that he was supposed to go. But Mark, Mark was terrified. Mark was terrified. So Mark, Mark takes off, and he goes back home to mama, you know? And Paul gets furious. Paul gets disappointed. Paul gets let down. Paul's like, what's going on? What happened? I thought you were with us. And so Paul and Barnabas obviously eventually end up going back to the church in Antioch, and they decide that they're going to go on another missionary journey. They decide to pull things together and resources, and they said, we're off on another journey. And they're talking to the church, and they're inspiring the church, and guess who raises their hand on wanting to go on this trip? Our good old friend, John Mark. How do you think that's going to go? Let's read about it. It says Acts 15. He says, and sometime later, Paul and Barnabas said, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where, they, where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him. Because, they, because he had deserted them and had not continued with them in the work they had such a sharp disagreement. I mean, I think that's a light way to put it, don't you? That they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. I mean, I would love to be a fly on the wall in that meeting, right? I mean, they got heated. I mean, here's these two amazing missionaries, and, and they're saying, hey, let's take them. And Paul's like, no, he failed. He, he, he didn't live up to his promise. He didn't, he, he didn't have the stomach for this. I'm not going to take him. What if he deserts us again? Can you imagine that conversation? And yet Barnabas steps up and says, no, I think he deserves a second chance. I think he's worth redeeming. I think that if we take him along this time, we're going to know his weaknesses and maybe we could help him. You know the amazing thing about Barnabas is that Barnabas wasn't even his name. It's a nickname. You know what it stands for? Son of encouragement. Come on, I think the church needs more Barnabases among them. I think there needs to be people in here that can look at somebody's failure and say, you know what? I believe that you're worth redeeming. I believe that you're worth another chance. I believe that God's not done with you, right? And I'm not, I mean, Paul had every right to kind of feel like, oh, I don't know about this. But man, Barnabas was the guy that put his neck out. Mark was, uh, Barnabas was the guy that says, you know what? I believe in this kid. I see the giftings in him. He is a help. He is a servant at heart. And I believe that God's not done. God wants to do something. And, I, and why I'm sharing this with you, why this is so important, is because I want you to see that this is the, this is the person who wrote this beautiful gospel of Jesus' life. This is the hands, these are the one, this is the heart that, that, that etched these words about our Jesus and about the redemptive life that he gave for us. I love that. Barnabas was a guy who would give someone a second chance. Someone a second chance. He understood that people will make mistakes, but there is room for them to grow, right? That they're, 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 they needed a second chance to be redeemed. But we see that, you know, Paul was like, nah, <laughs> you could do it. You could take them. And what's sad is that they parted ways. 
Paul ends up taking Silas with him. And then later on down the road, you know, he finds Timothy. And then Barnabas takes John Mark and they head off and visited all the churches that they planted. And what's interesting to me is that in church history, there's about a 10-year silence from that time. I don't know why. One of the questions I'll ask the Lord someday. But there's a silence, and they go off, and they do these things, and they're off on their own. And later on, some church historians say that Paul ended up meeting up with Apostle Peter. And for 10 years, Apostle Peter takes him under his wing and starts to disciple this young man, start redeeming this guy back to the fold. See, I'm sure that John Mark felt bad. I'm sure John Mark, once he felt like, man, I don't know if God could ever use me in the way he used to use me. But something tells me that Peter understood what it was like to desert somebody who needed him the most. Something tells me about Peter that, that Peter understood what it was like when he denied Christ to feel the shame of that, to abandon Christ when he felt like he needed to be there. Peter understood what it was like for him to to, to, to hear about the resurrection and feeling like, man, my day's over. Like, God, Jesus is not going to accept me still. Jesus isn't, like, I'm not going to be one of Jesus' guys anymore. And so what does he do? He tells the rest of the guys, I'm going to go off fishing. I'm going to go back to my old life. What's the point? I'm just going to fail him again. Peter understood what it was like to carry the weight around his neck of feeling the guilt about the things in the past, feeling like, man, I don't think I could ever be that same person again. And what happened in that, in that story Jesus shows up on the shores of Galilee and he brings Peter in and he says, Peter, I'm not done with you yet. Yeah, Peter, you've made mistakes, but you need to trust me. There is re- there, I came and died for that mistake. I came and died for that. I'm here to redeem you. I need you to follow me, continue to follow me, continue to come back and do the thing that I called you to do. Something tells me Peter knew that. And so it was easy for him to bring in Paul Mark and, and, to, and to bring him in and to grow him up and encourage him that God is not done with him yet. And so what's interesting is that if you follow the church history, you find out that 10 years after that moment of desertion that, that, Paul, that, that Mark did to Paul, Paul ends up finding himself in a Roman prison. It was the first imprisonment of, of Paul. And at this time, I mean, you heard about the life <laughs> that Paul lived how dangerous it was. Wherever Paul went, man, there was trouble. There was, there was, there was a lot going on. In so much that, that, that people started separating themselves from Paul. They started disassociating with them because they knew, man, if I hang out with Paul, man, trouble's gonna find me. So here's Paul, and he's in a Roman city, and he's by himself. Guess who shows up? Guess who comes and stays with Paul? Guess who's there to be his help? Guess who's there to, to, to serve Paul? in his time of need. Mark. Mark shows up. You see these in the epistles. Mark shows up and he helps him. And it's Mark's Mark's help, through Mark's help, that all of a sudden Paul is able to send out letters to the Ephesians, the Philippians, and the Colossians. I'm going to give you some references up here so that you can see that in all these greetings in Colossians and in the book of Philemon, that Paul saying, Mark's with me. Mark's been helping me. Mark's here on my, by my side. Mark hasn't left me. Mark is being useful to me. And at the end of Paul's life, 
in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. In the last, last series, we talked a lot about the book of 2 Timothy. It was Paul's last book. This was his, his, one of his wishes that he wanted uh, Timothy to help him with, and he says this. He says, only Luke is with me, he said, but get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Wow. Do you see the redemption in his story? Do you see the path and the journey that he had to go through, but that he was humble enough to come to, the, to his leaders, the ones that he felt he failed, the ones that he felt like, man, I, I shouldn't have done that, but he came humbly and he asked for forgiveness and God redeemed him and God restored his life. This is the man who wrote this gospel. It was a man who was a helper, a man who served, a man who took care of things, a man with a servant's heart. No wonder why his gospel is referred to as a gospel of showing Jesus as the faithful servant, the faithful servant, the servant king. Mark lived what he was teaching and what he understood about Christ. When he, when, he, when he wrote his scripture, one of his most famous passages in his gospel is this. It's Jesus saying this to his disciples. He says, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Service and sacrifice was the bedrock of how Jesus lived his life. And Paul knew that. Paul understood that. And I think it's amazing that as he's getting towards the end of his life and all his life he's been hearing these stories about Jesus. I mean, he grew up in church. He heard these apostles would come in and they would preach the life of Jesus and they would preach the teachings of Jesus. And, and Mark was there witnessing how much it transformed people's lives. It's the good news, folks, right? And it was powerful and it was effective. And he saw that. And then he started seeing how how a lot of these apostles were getting put in prison and being killed off and put in exile. And so I believe that that was the heart of Mark to want to do his one more act of service towards the community to say, how about I gather these stories? How about I start to collect them? And inspired by the Holy Spirit, he started to pin down this beautiful gospel of Mark that we have. What an amazing thing. What does that say to you and I? You know what's amazing about this is that this wasn't a guy who was one of the forefront leaders. He wasn't a guy that was the loudest. He wasn't a guy that everybody was seen the most talented, but he was a servant at heart. And that's the guy that God chose to write the story, to be the very first one to put down in pen the story of Jesus Christ, his son. And he wanted all to hear the good news. And so he started to describe these words. He started to write these words so that every generation can know this good news that we call the gospel. So I believe that this gospel is the gospel of a second chance. Amen? I have the worship team come and close out. When I see this story, I'm telling you, now that you understand a little bit of background, now that we start to open it up and we start to see these passages and see the scriptures, I want you to think of Mark. I want you to think about this man. Think about his ups and his downs and his in-betweens. Think about the journey of this man. And I think some of us, man, we've kind of lived in this moment of failure, kind of live in this moment of mistake and moment of broken. We just can't move past it. But I'm telling you, we, we, we have a gospel that is the gospel of a second chance, gospel of redemption, the gospel of new beginnings. I mean, isn't that really the, what Easter is hinge on? 
is this idea that when you think it's over, it's really not over. I think some of us are looking at our lives today and we see some mistakes in our past. We see some mudges, smudges on our resume. We see some moments of weakness where we have failed and we have, been, we, have been, we have been not able to get over it. And I'm here to tell you the truth that in Christ Jesus, he could make all things new. He could restore you. God, my, my old pastor used to say this, God does not have a plan B for your life. He has a restored plan A. Right? That, that God is still God and you are still you. And though you mess up, though you go through your ups and downs, God can still use you. God still wants to use you. So God's still plan has not changed for you. Come on, friends. Some of us need to believe that. Some of us are still soaking in the, in the mess. And that's real. And that is a hindrance. But there comes a time where we got to humble ourselves and we got to go before God and we got to ask him, say, God, I believe, God, that only you can forgive me. Only you can take away this guilt. Only you can take away this shame. Only you can restore my heart. And if you've not allowed God to do that, then maybe you will still be stuck. Maybe you still go in your life and not fulfill everything God's called you to do. That is a tragic truth that some people live out. But not you, because you know the gospel. You know, the, you know the truth, and the truth is, is that Jesus Christ can redeem you and wash you and give you a brand new start. And so if that's anybody in this room, is that, that's just the whole essence of Easter, man, is that he can make all things new. And so if that's anybody here this morning, man, this is your moment. This is the time for you to get before God and say, God, I'm sorry, God. God, I don't want to live with that any longer. And I'm telling you that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. You will have a clean start. I know there might be some here that you're just ready for that opportunity. You're ready for that moment. This is your day. Don't wait till Easter. Maybe for the rest of us, man, we're just like, man, I want to get back to where I used to be, man. God has anointed you to be a ser- servant, man. You have a servant's heart. You know, you just feel like, man, I am a help. I want to come alongside a team. I want to come alongside somebody, and I just love to serve. Man, that is you, and you've been comparing your gift with everybody else's gift, and you feel discouraged by it. I'm here to tell you that God honors your gift in such a way that he actually, out of four people on earth, for somebody to write the story of his son, he chose a servant, a servant's heart, to write the story of his son. Can we stand? Speaks volumes of the value that God has for those that want to serve. Those that want to serve. Those that want to build up. Those that want to encourage. Why? Because that reflects his son more than anything else. Because Jesus Christ came here not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. So if that's you today and you just need to be encouraged, if that's you today and you're just like, man, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. Help me. Then I think today is your day to have that moment. Can we pray? Father, I just lift up my friends today, God, that may have been just stuck in a rut, God. They might just feeling, Lord God, that the, that the best days are behind them, God, but that is not your truth, God. Your truth is, is that the best days are ahead, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of our lives, no matter how old we are. God, as long as we still got breath in our lungs, God, there is purpose. There is destiny that needs to happen, God. I pray right now, whoever's struggling with that thought right now, God, give them your word, give them your peace, give them your assurance right now. And God, I pray if anybody needs a do-over today, God, if anybody needs a fresh start, God, let them right now reach out to you. 
by the name of Jesus right now, Lord, I pray that they reach out to you, that they come to the cross and they say, God, forgive me, God. Father, I trust your sacrifice for me, God, and I just ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Let me be washed new. Let me have a clean heart. Guys, pray for that person right now. So just right now, just surround them right now. Let them feel your presence around them. That you're ready to receive them and embrace them and use them for your glory. And God, I just pray for those that have this anointing to be a servant, God. Anointing to serve and to help and to encourage. I pray right now, God, that they just get a fresh dose of that in their hearts. That they be encouraged. That they receive help so that they can continue to go out and do that for others. So, God, let this be a church that's known as a bunch of encouragers, God, a bunch of helpers in the city, those that will go and roll up their sleeves and serve because they are motivated by you. So we love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to walking this out with you in the next three weeks. I hope you come back. You're going to come back, right? (laughs) Just kidding. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. God bless.